Are we there yet? This beach, it's beautiful. My swimsuit is hurting. They do look small. Come on, let's play hide and seek. Have you seen my children? Mom, I'm right here. He was six years old this morning. Oh no. Mom, I'm scared. There's something wrong with this beach. We were chosen for a reason. What's happening? I don't know. I can't think. Old. Only in theaters this summer. Are we there yet? This beach, it's beautiful. My swimsuit is hurting. They do look small. Come on, let's play hide and seek. Have you seen my children? Mom, I'm right here. He was six years old this morning. Oh no. Mom, I'm scared. There's something wrong with this beach. We were chosen for a reason. What's happening? I don't know. I can't think. Old. Only in theaters this summer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. I'm Mike, and joining me as always, it's Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? How you doing? Greetings and salutations, octogenarians. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. I thought you were going to make a clip about, like, old people or something, but uh, well, much enough. more creative. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the biggest word I've ever used on the show, so that's a plus. <laughs> All right, also joining us, it's Don and Ellie. What's up, Don? How are you? It's been 80 years. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's my best old folks impression. What's up, guys? <laughs> not bad, not bad. <laughs> well, if that intro didn't tip it off enough, um, coupled with, you know, theatrical release schedule... Then let me be the one to tell you we are covering M. Night's Old. Uh, let's see. A thriller about a family on a tropical holiday who discover that the secluded beach where they are relaxing for a few hours is somehow causing them to age rapidly, reducing their entire lives into a single day. All right. Um... They probably could have done without that second half of that last sentence. <laughs> only, yeah. only because reducing yeah, it into a single day kind of like a bit of a might give away stretch. too much. Well, yeah, yeah it's also not correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's well, not that's exactly str- correct. That's a, str- that's a stretch, but it's also uh, kind of a little bit more than what they want to lead on. Yeah, it's a little. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Let's see. This is currently sitting at a 6.1 on IMDb, so that's a favorable rating. I mean, it's still only been out what less than a week, so that could fluctuate. It looks like 4.5k people rated it. So uh, we will get right into general thoughts. Venom, what did you think of old? All right. Well, before I get into my uh general thoughts on the movie i do want to caveat this with something um some people may not know this about me i am not the biggest fan of thrillers i am a horror guy i've never been one of those guys that uh seeks out horror adjacent stuff so for me um thrillers thrillers are like a step above dramas to me um and and i'm not insulting them in any way it's just that they don't speak to me I'm not a big fan of them. A thriller has to be exceptional for me to, and not to say that I don't like any, I do like some, but for the most part, it's not a genre that I seek out. So 
having said that, um, take my review with a grain of salt because I'm definitely not the person to be reviewing this film. But I will say that for the most part, uh, I, 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 I mildly enjoyed the film. I'm not going to say I walked out of the theater with a big old smile, uh, really happy. You know, the movie has a lot of pacing issues. Um, for the most part, the dialogue is pretty good. I do have some issues with some of the people, um, some of the characters in the film and, and their dialogue in general. I'll get into that more in the spoiler section. But, um, you know, obviously, you know, anybody who saw the trailer knows it's pretty much set in a tropical paradise. So, of course, cinematography is going to be great. Um, you know, the camera work, uh, shot composition all looks really nice, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's a matter of how engaged you are with this story. And ultimately, I wasn't all that engaged. Like, um, you know, I walked into the theater blind, as usual, to the film. Uh, once I kind of realized what was going on, and it prob obviously it took me a little bit longer than somebody who actually saw the trailer. So um, once we actually figure out what's happening, um, it was mildly compelling. Like, I, I would have been a little bit happier with um, a more horror type explanation for what was going on. Um, and, and you could even argue that we don't really get much of an explanation, but we'll get into that in the spoiler section, like I said. Um, yeah, overall, this movie just didn't really speak to me. I had, I had some problems with some of the characterization. I had some problems with some of the choices that were made. Um, I have a problem with the reveal, and I will not call this a twist. I'm sorry, but this is one of the first M. Night Shyamalan movies I've seen that does not have a twist. I will fight anyone who says this movie has a twist. This movie has a reveal. That's a little bit different than a twist. So, um, you know, I we'll obviously get more into specifics on that in the spoiler section. Overall, like I said, it's a good thriller, some good performances, you know, the, uh, a decent little score. Great cinematography, but overall, it just doesn't really speak to me. Um, I, I just had way too many issues with the film, which, you know, like I said, I'll get to in the spoiler section. But for me, it's fairly middle of the road. Like, this isn't even a good M. Night Shyamalan movie to me. I, I'm not going to say I'm the biggest M. Night Shyamalan fan. I absolutely am not. I will say that his exceptional films are stellar. I, you know, I, I love the ones that are very highly rated including a couple of his more recent ones that I actually really enjoyed as well. But he's not a director that I seek out. Um, and he's not by any stretch, you know, remotely a favorite director of mine. So, you know, for me, this was like an average to just below average M. Night Shyamalan movie. And I haven't seen them all either. Again, I'm probably not the person to make that decision necessarily that this is like a middle of the road Shyamalan movie it may be above average if, you know if I actually would have seen all of them but um I'm just gonna leave it at that for now this is a movie that I was mildly looking forward to and as it's playing out I'm just kind of you know kind of ho-hum okay yeah there's some there's a couple of mild mildly cool things that do happen in the movie and I'll point those out later on but Overall, this was just kind of a, eh, whatever type film for me. Okay, we'll move right along to Don. What did you think of Old? All right, so uh, <clears throat> last episode I said that I was either a love it or hate it fan of his work. Um, there's a, a couple films of his that I really, really like, and uh, the rest of his stuff, I really, really disliked. Um, 
this changed the boat. This is the first one that I was kind of in the fence on, in the middle on and kind of on the fence about mm-hmm. how I felt about it. Yeah, um, I, I, I agree with Venom. There's a lot of issues here. Um, I, I really have a hard time trying to figure out where to start because that's one of the film's problems. It's one of, I think, one of his weakest point, one of his weakest setups. And it's kind of one of the the elements that I have the biggest issue with with his bad films is kind of exemplified here. He has a great idea, but he seems to think that that great idea means he can just throw a bunch of shit at the wall and not explain anything. And that's kind of what happens here. He just ends up throwing a bunch of stuff at us, but none of it really connects. I mean, do, who's like the main character here? Are we supposed to? be following the main family are we supposed to be following the doctor and his wife are we supposed to be following the interracial couple that's there you know this rapper and his girl i and you know who are we supposed to be really rooting for because we just kind of get we're introduced to these characters and 20 minutes later when the shit hits the fan do we really i don't even really remember anybody's names i mean i remember the kids names more than i remember the parents and Mm -hmm we've been with these characters for like almost half an hour already. And I don't know who we're supposed to be following. I don't know who we're supposed to be caring about. Who's who's who even really, uh, it gets a little bit more interesting once everything starts happening, you know, just because, you know, something's happening, but a lot of it is just undeveloped. Um, Venom is completely on the ball with this. This is not a twist that he's known for. It's a reveal. And a completely underwhelming one that I guessed within 10 minutes of the film actually playing out. Uh, I kind of guessed what was happening, uh, not to the degree that it was happening, but I kind of guessed something that was going on. Again, that's something we'll talk about later on. But yeah, I I kind of was indifferent on this one. Um, It runs a little bit longer than I was wanting it to. I was kind of fading like an hour and 10, 15, 20 minutes in. I was kind of like, uh, can we just get to the reveal already that I know we were already going to, you know, it's going to get revealed is what's going on. Yeah. Um, again, I like the idea of what's happening. I like, you know, the concept of what's going on. Maybe it feels like it should have been like a TV show episode or a Twilight Zone kind of a thing mm-hmm. where it's, you know, a, a short story and an anthology entry about what's happening. And, you know, maybe some body horror stuff happens along the way and liven things up a little. But yeah, um, I was I was indifferent to a lot of what was happening. Uh, I didn't care, you know. Again, it looks good. Venom is correct again as usual with the with the overall look and presentation of it. It's you know, it looks like a traditional M Night film. It looks like all of the stuff that I've seen that I've liked so far, and the setup is great. You know, the suspense is built up quite nicely, but. Again, I just I didn't care. It ran too long, and I was kind of just bored and just meandered for me. So, yeah, I'm kind of on the fence on this one. I'm leaning more towards dislike than like. So it's not necessarily at the bottom of his bottom rung of the films I've seen of his, but it's nowhere near the top of his stuff. So, yeah, uh, middle of the road, really, really disappointing. <clears throat> Okay. Well, as far as I go, 
Um, I also think this is kind of a middle-of-the-road movie, a middle-of-the-road M. Night movie. Um, I think the setup is a decent premise um, as far as, you know, a bunch of strangers end up at this beach and are aging at a rapid pace, and we don't know why. Sets up kind of like a nice Twilight Zone-ish scenario of them trying to figure out and possibly escape before time runs out i mean that doesn't really feel like a spoiler if you know anything about what the movie's about that's pretty much just the setup um i found like the the a lot of the dialogue towards the beginning felt really heavy-handed as as far as like it's it's hard, it's hard to say it without like spoiling anything but i i also th- you know i'll get into that more in the spoilers just how it seemed very on the nose like what they were trying to give subtextually like towards the beginning but then it also to me with our third act reveal it kind of blows up any message they were trying to give anyway and that's a whole nother thing we'll get into mm-hmm. with the reveal. I also agree it's not really a twist because there's enough clues given throughout the movie that you already know something else is going on besides, you know, just what's going on on the beach. It, they pretty much tell you that. Um, I also have a little bit of an issue with um, a couple side characters that become involved Yes, the their presence is felt in the movie um, through certain situations where it's like, well, if you were going to help them by doing this, why didn't you just do something else in the first? Like, it seemed like you could have been more upfront and abrupt about whatever warnings you were trying to heed or trying to help out or whatnot. Um, I thought, you know, how they did it was. A little clever but it just like once you see what it was it's like what like that's not much of a help but um what else do i got uh you know i i i felt like there was a a point in the movie where it could have ended but then I don't know, man. Just the way the third act kind of tacked on, and I'll, I'll once we get to spoilers, I'll give a specific point where I thought it was going to end, or at least where I thought the end of our main characters would be. Um, but then, you know, we get what we get to finish off the movie, and I don't know. I, that's kind of where it lost me, where where it became more unfavorable than favorable. Uh, I wouldn't. I don't know. I, I have a trouble also saying it's a bad movie because I don't. No. I don't really think it's bad. It's just kind of okay. And I, I you know, it, it's really an M Night Middle of the Pack where the setup's fine. But and I, but I also think you know the more you examine the story and different things that happen throughout the movie i think that's when you start poking more holes in it and it's not like you're you have to like super examine everything to do that you know this isn't nitpicking about oh the 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 rocks were the wrong color because of when the sun is it's not that kind of petty stuff it's just kind of odd things with how certain characters act in the story that kind of take it down um 
So, you know, I would say if you're a generally fan of M. Night movies, regardless, you know, you'll probably like it more than us. So I wouldn't discount it and say don't see it. But I'd say just expect one of his, you know, more middle-of-the-road efforts and results with this one. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not a bad movie. Um, I mean, there's very little bad about it. I mean, we'll we'll get into it, obviously, in a little bit, because I do have a couple of points that I actually think are flat bad. But overall, it's not. I think the, I, I think the simplest terms that we can put this movie in, at least for me, is that the premise and the cinematography are both stellar, but the screenplay and the execution are incredibly uneven. At some point, some of the gags work, other gags absolutely do not. And, you know, we'll get into which ones, you know, I'm talking about here. But I just um, the movie was just too uneven for me. Like there would be a really cool scene where they would do something, you know, where we'd get some kind of weird reveal of a dead body. And then the very next gag would just be something stupid and pointless that we're all laughing at. And then uh, something that was actually in the trailer uh, turned out to be a non-issue, something that looked like it was going to be a major factor in the movie. Um, I, wa- I did watch the trailer after I saw the film. Uh, I watched a couple different versions of the trailer, and one of the versions of the trailer had uh, a specific scene or set of scenes. It make it look like it was like it took up a big part of the trailer. So in turn, you would think it would take up a large part of the movie, but it's not. It's almost a throwaway plot altogether. Um, so yeah, there's, like I said, the execution here is just terribly uneven. Some of the gags work, some do not. And that's probably why most of us are saying, yeah, this is just a middle of the road M night movie. You know, I was not on the edge of my seat. I was not, um, empathetic for any of the characters in the movie. I, you know, I wasn't like rooting for someone to live, you know, or whatever, like a certain character to make it blah, blah, blah. I honestly, I think Don said it best. Yeah. I, I just didn't care. I didn't care about anybody in this movie and they don't really go into too much effort to make these people that likable. Yes. Some are more likable than others, of course, but even the likable people will reveal something about themselves early that makes them kind of, you know, you, you kind of question how likable they really are. So yeah, this is a movie filled with un, uh, imperfect characters and imperfect, um, what do you call it? Set pieces. Like I said, some of them work, some do not. But we'll get into it a little bit later. Yep, I would agree. Um, and I don't know, maybe because it's a M Night movie, I'm struggling to give any more general thoughts that wouldn't, wouldn't like delve into like spoiling stuff. Mm-hmm. No, um, it's true. It's hard. Um, I mean, there's a lot. There's there's some points in the in the uh, trailer that I was a little surprised that they actually put in there. I thought it actually gave away way too much of the story. Obviously, it doesn't give away any of the end necessarily, but um, there's a sequence in the trailer with a little girl who that just, yeah, it just turns into a, a nothing in the movie. It, it's like it's just a pointless thing that it, it happened. It preoccupied 10 minutes of our film, but it literally had no bearing on the movie whatsoever. And that's upsetting. You know, M. Night Shyamalan should not have throwaway scenes in his films. And there were multiple throwaway scenes in this movie, unfortunately. <laughs> well, uh, do you want to throw away our general thoughts to make way for uh Yeah, <laughs> please. 
Uh, as far as recommendations go, I would say, like Mike said, if you're a big M. Night fan or a big fan of thrillers, I would say go ahead and check it out. Um, it's not an exceptional thriller to me, but if that's your if that's like your favorite genre, maybe you'll find more you'll take more out of the film than I did. But um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with Mike. It's not a bad movie. It's just imperfect. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Spoilers, huh? Man, where do we start? Obviously, everybody, most people have seen the trailer, so you know the general premise, right? These people are, go on a vacation, you know, they, they find a they find or are led to a secluded beach. That secluded beach turns out to, you know, age people rapidly. I think in the film, they figure it out to be uh, for every hour of real time, two years of your life goes by. So basically, in 24 hours, you age 48 hours, which is that's pretty fucking epic. <laughs> but yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, that um, premise is great. Like, I like this premise. Like I mean, the setup is a little meh, like, especially for somebody like me who didn't see the trailer. If you already saw the trailer, you know what you were getting into. But the first like, I don't know, five to 10 minutes was still a complete mystery to me. So it's like once we actually got to it, I'm like, oh, that's what the title means. OK, cool. Good enough. And yeah, mm-hmm. I'll well, I'll just uh, I'll re- reference something I said in general thoughts because it's kind of towards the beginning. Pretty much like the whole part before they get to the resort when you know they're traveling, and they make it such a point to like bring up the fact that like oh the kids are always on their tablets or phones and they're never just present and enjoying like the now the here and the now. It's like. <laughs> Well, you're really trying to lay the tracks there for some heavy-handedness, but like I, gee, I wonder if later in the movie everyone will, or at least you, the family, will come together and just relax and enjoy the moment. Like, mm, yeah. come on, like I, and and I'm saying this is like the only movie that does this type of things, but I mean they didn't try to veil it in anything clever at all. It was just yeah. straight up like the most obvious method of getting that point across. Yeah. So I thought it was kind of funny. And um, how how obvious were the drinks at the beginning? Like basically what happens is as the guests get off uh the vehicle, whatever transport they use to get to this island, they're handed a drink from the nutrition specialist at the resort. And she basically says, uh, we've created a drink based on your health profile. And I'm like, what? What kind of idiot is going to drink that drink? And they all fucking do it. <laughs> I was so upset. Yeah. The they were all different drinks in different glasses. It's like, what? Yeah, and what? Like, what resort is even going to have profile? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They don't even, well, obviously, they must have some kind of health profile because they realize, um, you know, what's up with all the guests. Obviously, you know, we get a reveal later on that all these guests actually do have something in common, and that is that they all are um, suffering some from some kind of terminal illness, something that's either killing them slowly, um, such as epilepsy or dementia for some people, or killing them quickly, like cancer uh, for others. So, mm-hmm. um, so I mean, there must be a health profile. Obviously, we don't see it. I, I guess it's not vital to the movie, but yeah. Just the fact that that woman, that, you know, pretty blonde, you know, with a big, cheesy, shit-eating grin, walking up with a tray of all different drinks. You know, if it was like a tray of all pina coladas or something, that's a little bit more um, believable. 
But literally, she you, she walks up to three people and has three different drinks and three different glasses that all have different ingredients in them. And and she's like, oh, they've been specially made based on your health profile. Yeah. Thanks, M. Knight. That, that, you hid that one real nice. <laughs> yeah, and they don't even they don't even question at all. Like, even if you're not overly suspicious, I would still kind of be curious about what's in it. What if what if there's something in there that you're allergic to that they didn't realize? Like, and what health profile exactly is it that they're talking about? Did they have to fill out a questionnaire? Do they somehow have medical records? Like, I would be like, what do you mean my health profile, and how do you know it? And you also notice that none of the kids got drinks. Mm-hmm. All the kids were like, "Where's my drink?" And they're like, oh, we have a juice bar inside. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's believable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, a, that was a stretch. I understand suspension of disbelief in these types of movies, but, you know, M. Knight's been at this for over 20 years, probably close to 25 years. He should know better. I mean, that was a very obvious, I don't want to say red herring, but just a very obvious clue as to what was going to end up happening. Yeah, plus, like, I mean, if you want to use the the you know uh uh what am i thinking the uh spiking your drink thing mm-hmm. well you could still do that with whatever drinks they order right like it doesn't even have to be like some special oh, yeah. cocktail it's like exactly. if they have their breakfast and you order they order orange juice with it you can still throw some whatever it is in their orange juice absolutely so well, i wasn't necessarily like, thinking spiked i was I, I i thought something was going on i didn't quite guess what it actually turned out to be but I knew, I mean, obviously, it's very obvious there's something wrong there. Just as soon as, you know, people are taking these drinks with a smile on their face. And, and of course, the camera zooms in on the drink itself. Again, another mistake by Shyamalan, but, you know, whatever. Um, so, yeah, anyway, uh, it seems that... It, what, it's a mistake. Uh-huh. Oh, no, I was going to say, it feels like a mistake, but at the same time, I feel like unlike a lot of his other movies, this one to me really holds the viewer's hands a lot more than his other movies that are like leading up to some kind of like twist, you know? Uh-huh. I felt like I felt like this one is not really trying to like fool you or set you up for some big thing. Now, yes, in the third act, once we realize ex- like the details of what are going on, I didn't, it's not like I guessed that ahead of time, but there's enough, there's enough that's laid out to leading up to that where like, well, okay, you're fully expecting something like that to happen. You just don't know exactly what it is, but that was, yeah, that was my problem because that was how I was. Cause I, I felt like I was, I really was led along into getting. Seeing this this sort of reveal instead of a twist um, rather easily just from what was going on. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. It's yeah, it's, it's way, way too heavy handed with what's going on. And it's almost kind of like it's not necessarily hitting like nudging your shoulder, but it's almost like, you know, pounding you over the head saying, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. And I think he's better than that. Yeah. And to be honest, like if you just edit down a couple scenes to take out the whole fact that someone's at the top of the mountain, like monitoring them, you eliminate a lot of that expectations just merely by that. Because until that happens, I think there there's two things to me that really gave it away. One is there's a couple different times when on top of the mountain, you see something glimmering, which is, I mean, there's no reason for the camera to even 
look over there unless it's trying to tell you, hey, there's something at the top of the mountain that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily belong there. And then, like, you know, a half hour later or whatever, you literally get someone up there. Well, it's M. Night, but mm-hmm. he's playing the uh, shuttle driver. He's literally up there with binoculars and care. So it's like, well, why even tell us that until it's time to reveal yeah. everything at the end? They you not- almost know without something else is coming absolutely they should not given us that shot um we we should have found out about the people or the 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 lens flares from up at the top of the mountain at the same time that the characters did uh once again by m night giving us that little shot um you know that that's not privy to any of the characters it's literally just for the audience again it's just it's way too heavy-handed he's 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 giving away everything way too soon I mean, you can make the argument, and Don even said it, that, you know, he figured out, you know, very early uh, what what actually was going on. I've actually read reviews where people were saying that, that, like, within 10 minutes, I knew the entire movie. Uh, granted, those people must be smarter than I am, because I didn't necessarily, I mean, I, I saw the clues, and I knew that we were going towards something more organized than, say, Supernatural. But, you know, I didn't specifically call out, you know, the big reveal at the end. So, you know, for whatever it's worth, um, if that many people are, you know, figuring out the ending in the first act of the film, then, yeah, you definitely did something wrong there, uh, Mr. Knight. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But uh, let me get into the scene that I'm talking about that I thought was a complete throwaway. And and um, and like I said, I watched the trailer after watching the movie and a big part of the trailer was a pregnancy scenario where there was a young girl. They show her they show her as a little girl and then they show her a little bit later and she's a teenager. And then we see her a little bit later in the trailer and she's pregnant. And, you know, the hilarity ensues from there. That whole scene was pointless because once it was over, you know, once the. uh you know, uh, we're in the spoiler section. So uh, once the child died, that turned into a forgotten plot point. Like nobody cared anymore. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they, it really it was very me. inconsequential. To it story. was. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about life and death here, and and just the fact that they kind of gloss over it uh, just really, really irked me. Um, yeah, I didn't even including, notice yeah, yeah, including Alex Wolf. I mean, including the quote unquote father of the baby. Um, just, you know, he, you know, he freaked out. He freaks out a little bit after the child dies, but that's it. That's all we get. And then, you know, he freaks out a little bit later after the inevitable death of the woman, too, of the girl. Um, but man, it, it just it felt like so many of these scenes were just kind of pointless. They were just there to just kind of show uh, no pun intended to kind of just show the time passing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, you could do that with wrinkles and, you know, people's bodies falling apart and shit. You don't necessarily need to do it with a pregnancy. When I first saw the gag happening, I was actually kind of excited. I'm like, ooh, what are they going to do with this? Is that baby just going to pop out in like five minutes or, you know, kill the mom or, you know, you know, blah, 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 blah. Ultimately, what ends up happening is the baby was born dead because, of course, um, it's a nine month child. It, it, it's a baby that went through its nine months in what, like th- uh, 20 minutes and he didn't get any nourishment that whole 20 minutes. So, of course, he's going to be born. He's going to be stillborn. So. So, yeah, our child is stillborn. Um, 
let me let me get this point out too before I forget about it because I really wanted to bring this point up too. Regarding the kids, regarding all the kids in the film, there are three kids specifically. We see them in the trailer. It's the two main kids that you know. Um, one of them grows up to be Alex Wolf eventually, and then uh, you know his older sister, and then another little girl. That's the girl that ends up getting pregnant. Did it bother anybody else that these kids were growing two years for every hour, yet their vocabulary was growing up with them? Like, literally, their vocabulary was age-appropriate. It's like, no, 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 no. These kids were literally six years old two hours ago, Mm -hmm. two or three hours ago. Now they're teenagers, and they're talking like teenagers. It's like, where did they pick that up? That's bullshit. You can't pick that up. You know, that that's not a part of growing up. Growing up is physical. It's all physiological. It's not like, you know, you suddenly learn words that you didn't know before without ever hearing them or, or mm-hmm. certain vernacular that you've never heard before. Uh, so that bothered me. And then and I've, I've, I've always I've always been an ardent uh, whatever term you want to use as that I've always been against the idea that intelligence is automatically the assumed knowledge of something that you have no outside access to. Exactly. This is, you know, the, yeah, I I was completely against you with that. That was a big thing with me. It was like, yeah, that should have been, you know, the horror is not supposed to have been hey, wait a second, why is my 15-year-old, why is my 5-year-old kid suddenly sporting breasts? It's, why is my 5-year-old daughter standing next to me who still sounds like a five-year-old even though she's wearing a two-piece bikini yeah that would have i mean i understand it would have been silly to have adult actors trying to talk like a six-year-old but it also comes off as more believable because and then late in the movie when our two main kids are basically in their 50s they sound like they're in their 50s like the the guy um alex wolf well it's not alex wolf once he's an adult it's another actor but at the end of the movie, um, a police officer asks him, you know, uh, we're going to take you to your aunt. Did you call her and let her know what's going on? And he so eloquently looks at the guy and says, well, how would you feel if, you know, you got a phone call from your six from your six year old nephew claiming to be a 50 year old man? How would a six year old know to say that? This this is what I mean. Mentally, they're supposed to be six years old. They've only they're only 24 hours older in real time. Obviously, they're 48 years older in what their body recognizes. So that was a major pet peeve of mine. Like I said, I understand that it would be annoying to hear adults speaking like a six year old for a two hour film. I understand that. But as 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 a seminal filmmaker like M. Night Shyamalan, he should have come up with something. There should have been something. Maybe throw in a scene where maybe one of the parents brought a vocabulary book with them and the kids are reading. I don't know. There there There's so many. Um, well, that, would, that, that would have been what their tablet should have been. That would have been an easy fix. Yeah, good point. I wasn't an, even thinking about that. An yeah. easy fix. That's why they're on their tablets, you know. You know, you're not on you're, you're even though you're on vacation, you still have your schoolwork to do. Here's your yes. tablet. Go learn. Easy yeah. fix. No, absolutely. I agree. I, I hadn't even thought about that. But yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. The fact that there was no screens allowed was almost counterproductive. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you're totally right about the age doesn't necessarily make would or wouldn't make them necessarily yeah. smarter. They obviously would 
their voices would be different, but they're not also getting knowledge through osmosis. Like they, they'd have the capacity to learn more mm-hmm. maybe. Um, but the knowledge wouldn't just automatically show up just because they physically age. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, kind of where I'm wrong. I did think it was believe like they did explain well, why the rapid aging or aging affected the kids more just because, yes. you know, adults in middle age, Kind of like what from like now, every, now everybody's different, of course, but you know, from what about 35 to 50, sometimes you don't necessarily look a ton different, just depending on how well you keep in shape and health and all that. So that was understandable why at first, well, even it's, though it's, the adults were aging, yeah. they did look elderly off the bat. Right, right. Well, I mean, it was cell de- degeneration. And obviously, from ages one to 18, your cells are growing and reproducing most rapidly. Um, and then once you kind of hit like 25, uh, your cell reproduction isn't as, you know, uh, fluid, if you will. So obviously, like you said, somebody who's 35 could look the exact same 15 years later, whereas a one-year-old 15 years later is obviously going to look incredibly different. Um, so I did like that explanation, the whole cellular kind of degeneration thing that basically uh, whatever it is that's affecting the speech is causing our cells to age rapidly. So, yeah, I did kind of like that. And that could I mean, I guess that could very, very minutely explain the language difference. You know how the kids because if your brain grows as well. I would imagine, you know. Well, no, you would have a you would have a bigger capacity to retain it, but you wouldn't have been exposed to it to learn it in the first place. Right, right. I mean, you know, dialogue. Ultimately, these kids are listening to adults argue back and forth for the last couple of hours, and depending on how intelligent they are, I mean, they they never really tell us any of the kids are gifted or idiots or whatever. So, I mean, we're just assuming that they're average kids. I mean, I could see a gifted kid maybe picking up vocabulary. Um, my, it's funny, I'm I'm defending my own gripe, but uh, or I'm shooting down my own gripe, I should say, the more I think about it, because, you know, I don't I don't understand the human brain. I'm not going to try to pretend that I do, but it just does seem odd that, you know, their language would advance as well. Maybe maybe a neuro a neuroscientist could probably explain it better. I'm sure there'll be, uh, you know, old explained videos uh, coming out now that this movie is uh, a mild hit. Uh, what did it do? I think it did like 28 million this weekend. Not, I mean, pretty good for the pandemic era anyway. It, it's definitely not, you know, Godzilla, Kong or Space Jam numbers by any stretch. But, you know, it's still. Pretty- <laughs> Space Jam. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, another conversation. But yeah. Yeah. I was pissed off Space Jam, not Black Widow out of the top spot. But whatever. That's just me. I'm a, I'm a Marvel lover. So, yeah. <laughs> Shut up, Mike. I already know your opinion. <laughs> I mean, I'm not really anti, I just don't watch them. But I don't really have anything negative to say about them. I probably would have more it's negative. Another conversation, to say guys. Another them. conversation. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do our superhero podcast next. Yeah, another um, conversation. Let's see. What other gripes that I have? Oh, well, the, uh, speaking of the pregnancy. Am I supposed to believe that two six-year-olds, um, who, well, two kids who were six years old a couple of hours ago, who now have the bodies of 13-year-olds, I, I'm supposed to believe that they're just going to fuck at the first instant that they're away from their parents? 
I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I would have. But do you think going, your hormones are going crazy and they're making you, you think th- of things that you never would have thought of on your own? But I'm saying the actual act of intercourse, like, I, I don't know. It just seems odd. That, do you think do you think that's I, where, maybe where the PG-13 rating kind of hurt that that kind of content? Because leading up to that, you know, they're in the tent and the conversation they're having is mm-hmm. kind of leading to the idea that, holy shit, like we're teenagers now, like the way they sh- the way they're saying like they feel different sure. to me is alluding to like, you know, hormones of teenagers and oh, like yeah. the way you start feeling about the opposite. Well, not everybody, but whatever you're whoever you're attracted to that, you know, those feelings start amplifying, but it feels like they cut that conversation off so soon that all of a sudden five minutes later in the movie she walks out pregnant it's like what where if it wasn't if it was our movie maybe we get further into like their interaction not necessarily like oh we have to have a sex scene to spell oh, it out because no, i think i, don't was, I think we easily <laughs> understood what might happen or after the fact what happened but it just seemed like they were more at the nervous, curious stage. And then next thing you know, she's pregnant. I was like, damn, that advanced like really quick. <laughs> and, yeah. It's a, uh, it, I don't know. That, that was definitely a stretch, a reach. It was a reach for me. Um, you know, I, I obviously understand the longer that they're there, the more like if that would have happened later, like towards sunset when they're like in their twenties or thirties, I, I guess I just might've bought it a little bit more. But literally, they're like 12, 13, maybe 14, 15. I mean, the older sister looks like she's like 15, 16. Alex Wolf, obviously. Well, no, Alex Wolf looks like he's pretty old, actually. He's a hairy dude. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's just like I said, I understand that there's curiosities. I understand that there's raging hormones. I understand all of this. But literally, in five minutes, these two kids were able to figure out, okay, Dick goes into this. And then we go in and out a bunch of times and then, oh, I guess I'm done. Like, I just don't see two mentally six-year-olds figuring that out in the amount of time that they had. It's not like they were gone for hours either. That's the thing. It's like the parents just, they went to the other side of the beach to look at the the first girl's body that had suddenly decomposed. It's like, yeah, they conceivably could have been over there 15, 20 minutes, but I'm, I'm just having a real hard time wrapping my head around two six-year-olds figuring out the intricacies of intercourse in what 20 minutes maybe i don't know like i said well, maybe just... that would have been that could have been mm-hmm. part of what happens when you're you know the the physiological change that would have probably have been you know elements added in because of their their newfound hormones sure that... oh absolutely oh i totally i'm, I'm on board with the hormones I, I don't I don't forget what it was like to be a 15-year-old boy surrounded by beautiful high school girls. Not at all. Raging hormones are an absolute thing. But I'm saying that without some kind of education, could they have figured it out that quickly? Like I said, I'm not saying I'm not I'm not necessarily bitching that they figured it out, period. So I'm saying that they figured it out. I figured it out long before I had the talk with my parents. So I think it's entirely possible for a six-year-old. Well, no, I'm just saying that when I was, I'm saying in my teens, yeah, I figured it out long before I had thought. your life up to your teens. You experience everything in between birth and, and fucking, you know what I'm saying? These kids did not. 
they literally are still mentally six years old. And yes, he, I understand about the hormones and everything else, but like I said, all I'm questioning is the time frame, the timeline of this whole thing. And yeah. obviously, that uh, no pun intended again there. Um, yeah, it, it, does, <laughs> it does feel a little weird, but when I, from when I was watching it, I wrote it up just as the enhanced, you know, enhanced hormones and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the stress of the situation. You know, like maybe, you know, you figure, well, we're not going to get off this beach, may as well do something. That was the I was kind of figuring along those kinds of lines, but I don't know if that would have been what, what he was going for, what the storyline is trying to make, trying to tell us. Uh, that was just more where I was going from, like you know, the chaos of the situation, the you know, panic of not being able to find a way out of it, and then you know, raging hormones. Hey, you look kind of hot. You know, <laughs> that was kind of where I was going with it. I don't really remember if I don't. And that's the other thing, too. They literally that. just met. Like, I, you you got to be like a good 15, 16 years old before you have the confidence to have a one night stand. This they they literally just met each other a couple of hours earlier and now they're banging. That's the kind of thing that happens to like, you know, college kids, not not 15 year olds that are mentally six years old. Like like I said, there's just a lot of little things about the whole pregnancy yeah, gap that, that bother me. It, um, it, it is a little bit more now that you mention it, because I was always just on the lines of raging hormones plus chaos of the situation equals Adam and Eve. That was always I, I, I remember <laughs> thinking of it along that line, but I don't ever remember if I was always if that, that ever really made like a dent like when i was watching it or if it ever really like stood out as something i disliked it was just that was how i how i played it out in my head oh no as i'm watching it all play out i didn't necessarily hate it the the main thing that i'm bitching about is how that it was a throwaway plot point that in the at the end of the day it had no bearing on anything you know what i mean they literally could have come they literally could have taken the whole pregnancy gag out completely and this movie would be the exact same to me I mean, yeah, it was a cool gag to do. It's one of the obvious things to do when you're dealing with, you know, a sped up time like this. But I don't know. It, it just there's so many holes in it. No, again, no pun intended. That it, it just irks the shit out of me. That's all. It's it 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 was more an after the fact thing uh, with that scene. Like I said, as I was watching it, I was okay with it. I'm like, I I was actually like really excited when the girl first came out of the tent and, you know, here's this little 15 year old that looks like she's nine months pregnant. You know, I, I was actually getting into it, but then, like I said, the, the baby is stillborn, and literally within five minutes, that's the end of that. We never hear about the baby again or, or the, or the situation or the pregnancy or anything. Uh, I don't yeah, know. That does, uh, yeah, um, it does kind of stand out now. Yeah, yeah like I said, because I wasn't really, yeah, I wasn't really that, you know, like a, to me, mm-hmm. it was just, you know, like I said, hormones plus, you know, chaos equals Adam and Eve. So sure, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm yeah, not, that was yeah, how I took it. But yeah, now, but yeah, now that you're explaining it, yeah, that it is kind of standing out a little bit more. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, one of those things it, that you got to think about. Because if you it just watch it at face value, you know, kind of like you said, you could just chalk it up to whatever. Um, but it's just one of those things that as I'm driving home from the theater, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, just more yeah, stuff was, kept it, popping into my head. It would have made more sense if, like, they just kissed or, like, maybe 
did some like curiosity stuff because I could see the mind of yeah. you know younger kids being curious about stuff, but that's a whole nother level than actually like just straight going for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like I said, yeah, it's just time. Or that or here the other thing too, and this is something that I was bitching about earlier about the lack of character. Mm-hmm. If they're meeting up, if the two of them had actually been sort of like vacation boyfriend, girlfriend, like so to speak, like this was something that the families had done previously, and this is just if they're doing it here and this time, you know, th- this trip is you know like the number they've taken like twenty or thirty trips together, and this is just the one that happens to just turn the shit on them. Sure. If they had been, if they had actually known each other, and it's been like, oh hey. You know, we're finally going to meet up again. Let's have some, you know, have some fun while we're here. That probably could have gone a long way to explaining it where yeah. they've been familiar with each other. And now, oh, oh, crap, now they're teenagers. You know, we've got to keep make sure his dick stays in his pants. <laughs> and, you know, I, I am a believer in, like, you know, the, the vacation love affair, you know, the summer fling. I feel like if they would have um, maybe not gone to the beach on the very first day, like like let's say all the families arrive, all the people arrive, and they they got like two or three days to kind of enjoy other aspects of the resort, and then maybe you get a little bit of an inkling of like a relationship between um, uh, you know our, our little brother and his little girlfriend. I forgot their names. Don't even ask me. Um, oh, Trent. That's right. Trent was the name of the boy. Uh, I forgot. Oh, and Maddie, something like that was the girl. Anyway, my point is, um, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. I'm dropping that point. <laughs> I just, yeah, I, I, I'm the point I was going to make was a little bit too overboard, even for me. So let's go ahead and move on. Um, I did. What gag that did I actually, I did like the whole thing with the tunnel. With the not tunnel, but like the crevasse in, in the mountain, you know, the pathway that they had to take there, and so that uh, cave-like thing. Yeah, ba- yeah, basically the crevasse that they yeah. had to walk down. Um, I did like how it was keeping them there, and the fact that um, and, and the explanation for that too. Basically, what we were seeing was characters were basically going back up the path that they used to get here. But then, you know, with once they were just a few steps into the crevasse, they kind of they started getting massive headaches and then eventually they would pass out and then they would wake up and they'd be right back at the beach. They'd just be like lying right on the beach. Um, I kind of did like that. And I even liked the, the explanation that they had how um, since time is moving differently between the two areas, the beach, the crevasse and then the area outside of it that if you move too fast, you're, it's almost like um, you're almost like getting the bends, almost like you're going uh, like you're changing your body pressure too quickly. Um, I did kind of dig that explanation. I, I, I did a poor job explaining it, folks. They do a much better job in the film. But I, for whatever it's worth, the, the fact that the doctor was able to figure that out so quickly, I thought was pretty cool. Um, and speaking of the doctor, he was despite everything that he does, he's probably my favorite character in the movie. Like he probably had the most dynamic uh, acting range. You know, he was, he was kind of the cool, calm, collective kind of swarmy guy at the start. Um, And then you kind of see his mental condition, whether it was dementia or Alzheimer's or whatever the hell it was that he suffered from. Didn't they say schizophrenia? Was it just schizophrenia? I, I, if they if they mentioned I it, think, I missed I it. They, I thought they did. 
Uh, I thought he had a mental disability. Uh, he kept talking about because remember how he kept talking about that movie um, with uh, Marlon Brando and whoever. That's the kind of thing that people with yeah. Alzheimer's do. They they repeat the same thing over and over again. You ever see that movie? Hey, you ever see that movie? Uh, yeah. You know, that that's a. Uh, I don't know if that's more Alzheimer's or dementia, but I do know that I've seen that kind of repeating. That almost like the brain is hiccuping. Um, type thing. A, a terrible way to explain it, but, you know. <laughs> um, I, I thought it was schizophrenia, but yeah, it could have been either one of those. Yeah, I, yeah. I, thought one of, I thought one of them did suffer from schizophrenia. Possibly. I mean, I, like I said, I missed it if they if somebody yeah, did mention I, it. I don't remember who's who either, so yeah, I'm just as far off as you are. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Oh, the uh, we, gotta, guy? we gotta talk about... There's one <laughs> character that we... Uh, what's up, Mike? Uh, are you talking about Mr. Dementia Guy? Uh yeah, That's, yeah. Like I like uh, his character arc. You know what I mean? Like he was kind of a shitty guy to begin with. I mean, he was never a nice guy, but he was like that rich doctor type with a trophy wife. You know, more concerned about his career than his family. You know, the traditional. Uh, you know, um, that kind of stereotype. But I I liked how he would slip in and out of whatever was his, whatever his condition was, dementia, Alzheimer's, schizophrenia, whatever the case may have been. I liked how he was slipping in and out of it and becoming mm. incredibly violent when he would slip into that. Yeah. Well, it was kind of a good representation of like, you know, beginning stages as opposed to once you got full blown dementia. Um, Cause I believe the dementia really started when he would be asking about that movie what yeah. Is it, uh, what, what's the movie with Marlon Brando and was it Marlon Brando and Jack Nicholson? Uh, um, I can't remember the two guys. He said it like eight times in the movie, and I can't remember what the two actors were. But yeah, yeah, he kept asking that same question. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that he was so hyper focused on that, considering everything else going around, was a sign that like, okay, the age, the advancing age, rapidly is uh-huh. causing that dimension to flare up, and then it would go away, and then at at a certain point, he just took over and he went off the deep end. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He basically, he, he uh, what what was the first thing he did? I think he accused one of the guys of hitting on his wife, even though he wasn't even looking at his wife. Like he wasn't anywhere near his wife, and he just starts accusing the guy of trying to. Are you trying to steal my wife? Like what? That literally came out of nowhere, which at first, like I said, it kind of played into him being kind of a douchebag when he first got there. But then the more he pushes the subject, you realize, oh, this is a mental uh, health issue. Okay. Yeah, I guess he accused the rapper of something. Oh, God, and the rapper. How can we not talk about the rapper with the greatest name ever? Well, first I mean- of all, did you find it a little confusing why they sent that group of test subjects there when – I don't care what the survived. point is. I want to know why the fuck some guy is called Big Size Sedan. Mid Size Sedan. Mid Size Sedan. Mid Size Sedan. Greatest rap name ever. <laughs> well, if you think about it, to me, he's he's another character that's inconsequential to the story because you don't need the whole. You know, obviously, eventually we learn that. You know, him and the dead girl that washes up, they were probably part of, like, the previous test subject group. But really, you don't need him there because you can still have that girl wash up on shore and, you know, and the kids are just going to swim or explore and everything else plays out the same way. I I don't I I can't really think of anything that the rap guy 
did. But don't you need him though to? Don't you need him to have to be there for when the doctor snaps? I mean, he is a need, he is a focus well, on need, the doctor, but, but but I'm saying that when the doctor snaps, you need somebody there. You need somebody expendable to be there for when the doctor snaps to show his condition, because that's because him snapping is like the final stage of of him succumbing to what's going on. Well, I, I think figured he, he could have snapped at his trophy wife. <laughs> Like the real feelings come out about him towards her, like oh, you're yeah. nothing but a good-looking whore that I married, or some and then shit the whole like that. Thing with his mother too, I totally glossed over that. Um, his mother is technically the first death of our group. Obviously, the blonde girl is the first death in the movie, but she's part of the previous group. Um, but the first death in our group was the doctor's mother, and that's another one that as soon as she was dead, we never heard about it again. I, I'm not sure if this is intentionally uh, Shyamalan's choice because, you know, there's the old adage, time heals all wounds. Well, if these people actually are experiencing two years in two hours or two years in one hour, um, it almost seems like uh, potentially um, the grieving process is also sped up, maybe. I, that's one explanation, I guess. I mean, they, they don't really... Uh, well, yeah. That phrase sounds a little too smart for a night. And, and, <laughs> and I want to I, I say, like, the way the movie played out, and ultimately I could be wrong, but it didn't feel like mentally they thought more time was going by. It seemed to be pure physical. And if that's the case, then, yeah, they should still be freaked out about the mom dying and the baby dying, like, throughout the entire movie, where they kind of just... I mean, I guess the mom old age... They could kind of justify, like, obviously it's sad, but she's old, and at that age, craziness, you know, crazy occurrences could happen out of nowhere. But the baby one was just almost like they kind of accepted it was going to happen. They put the te- the baby wrapped in the towel down, and it's like, all right, well, we just got to move on to the next thing now. <laughs> next game, egg. Yeah, um, it's funny, too, because like I said, this is one of the things I was talking about with the execution being uneven. At times, the pacing seems slow and kind of plotting, uh, but then at other times, it almost seems frantic, like too much, like, you know, the baby dies, boom, move on to the next thing. Then it's the mom, the the baby's mom trying to escape and her falling off the cliffs. Boom, go on to the next person. It, it's like the, the, the people dying, once they kind of made the realization of what was going on, it seemed like the bodies were flying left and right. Obviously, you know, we had our one guy, our nurse, our male nurse who died swimming, that bothered me, the fact that we don't see what happened to him. That really irked me because, A, he's a likable character, probably one of the more likable characters in the film. And, you know, the fact that he seemed to be their best bet for getting off the, you know, the, the beach because, you know, he used to be a swimmer, blah, blah, blah. But then he goes out, he goes out into the ocean uh, with the intention of going around uh, kind of the edge of the beach uh, to try to find another shore on the other side of the island. And then he just washes back up on, on land. But he wasn't any older either, which actually that kind of makes sense because, you know, once we get the coral explanation, it makes sense that if you're in the water, you're not going to age as much. I didn't actually catch that when it happened. But yeah, I, now that I think about it, it does kind of make sense. But at the time, it didn't. At the time, I'm like, why doesn't he look any older? He looks exactly the same as when he left. So... 
But I guess I just answered my own question. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, who else? Um, oh, and by the way, um, yeah, we, we got to talk about the, uh, the the Army Bendy death. <laughs> the trophy wife. Oh. Did anybody else hate that death? Or was it just well, me? Well, <laughs> here's my thing. I thought that as it starts playing out, I think it's meant to be like super creepy and scary but i was literally laughing yes just just and i wasn't laughing like well no actually i kind of was laughing because i thought it was (laughs) funny but because i was trying to like parse my words to not make it sound so harsh but no i was pretty much cracking Uh, up at yeah when she first started breaking bones i wasn't laughing i'm like oh shit that's fucked up but then with every step she took, she broke another bone and they explain it because because of the whole time thing and time moving so quickly that bones were healing almost as fast as they would break. Like she'd break mm-hmm. the bone and within a minute it'd be healed. Yeah, but it, they're it not being heal. properly set. Exactly. They Since they're not being set, they're they're healing crooked. So by the time she's actually dead, she's literally like a fucking some kind of Chinese puzzle. You know, that you have to try to figure out. I don't know what yeah. the hell. Oh, it was it, it was just laughable. Like, the scene started out cool, but by the end, I'm laughing my ass off. I'm like, holy shit. On top of the fact that it's such an unlikable character, too. You know, it's it, if she would have been one of the more likable people, maybe I wouldn't have laughed as hard. But the whole time, I'm like, fuck this girl. I mean, don't forget, <laughs> her daughter got pregnant while she was fucking around with her husband somewhere. You know, yeah. let's, let's not forget about that. Parents still have a fucking responsibility. Two sets of parents let their children alone in a tent to get pregnant. So, yeah, I'm I'm still not uh, exonerating the parents by any stretch, <laughs> especially because the kids don't know what the hell they're doing. By the way, did anybody find it funny right after they found out that the daughter was pregnant? And the dad is talking to Trent and Trent's like, I thought you had to do it like 10 times to get him pregnant. <laughs> How did the six-year-old even have that knowledge <laughs> that you have to actually have sex multiple times to get somebody pregnant? This is what I mean about some of the dialogue in this movie. It's just, it, it feels like M. Night was going for comedy, but he's throwing logic out the window at the same time. And, you know, sometimes I, I did like the line. It, it, it tickled me when it actually happened because, you know, it makes sense that a little kid doesn't understand sex. But he understood sex enough to have it. <laughs> so, yeah, eh, little plot holes here and there. All of, well, I shouldn't say here and there. They're, they're pretty prominent, sadly. Oh, who else died? Poor, poor mid-sized sedan got taken out by the doctor. Yeah. Oh, I, doctor. I did like also, I did kind of like how our main couple, one of them was losing his sight and the other one was losing her hearing. As time was going by, I, I that was another nice little touch. It seems like I'm a, I'm a bigger fan of the more subtle touches in this movie as opposed to the more heavy-handed ones. The the subtle stuff that he does works for me. You know, the little the little tiny one-liners that you know maybe tickle you here and there. Little choices that he made, and then we get to the doctor, and that's the one death in the movie that I thoroughly enjoyed. Not just because of the guilty pleasure of it, because he was such a dickhead, um, but just the the whole concept of that. Basically, um, what happens? Our doctor has just completely lost his mind, and he's basically just attacking anyone he sees with a knife. 
he's in the process of pretty much slicing up Trent's father. And while he's doing that, the mom runs over to the other part of the beach where there was old rusted utensils uh, lying around, obviously from, you know, previous victims who had left them there on the beach. And uh, she grabs a rusty knife, like a rusty steak knife, and she just uh, she just hits the guy once, doesn't stab him. She just slashes him once on the arm, of course. Because it's a rusted knife, the oxidated, uh, oxidized metal gets into his skin. Usually you should be able to just get like a tetanus shot or whatever, and you're fine. But because time was moving so quickly, literally you see his flesh start to de uh, deteriorate, liver spots, you know, dark patches all over his skin. His eyes become incredibly bloodshot. And what normally would take, you know, months to kill someone literally happens in minutes. I did like that kill for whatever it's worth. <laughs> yeah, it's the best scene in the movie. I agree. It's probably, um, it's probably the best looking kill, you know. Um, uh, and, and again, once again, I like that explanation of how, you know, normally that's nothing. It's just a scratch. You know, you get a shot and you're fine. But uh, what did she say? Exactly? Yeah, I think that's. Poison. Rust is poison to the blood or something along those lines. And yeah, so yeah, for whatever. Yeah, I, I think it's the best one that utilizes the concept of aging the most because it's the one that it would actually take a while to accomplish. But because it's going so fast, it, it actually transpires as quickly as it should. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think it's the it's the best one that utilizes the idea of that of that the or that they're aging there on that beach. Yeah. I, it's, I'll okay. it's, also, it's, it's also like the other one that I like the most is the appendectomy or the Oh yeah, the tumor the removal. Tumor removal, yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's good. another that was another that's another good one that I really like because it yeah, it totally does the same that. thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. As it turns out, um early in the movie, you know, we hear conversations between the mom and the dad. It looks like they are leaning towards a divorce. They're splitting up. Um, you can tell that they're speaking very cryptically, that there is something about the mom that's kind of causing this uh, separation type thing, but that she's not being 100% honest with everybody. And as it turns out, um, mom has cancer. She's got terminal cancer in her abdomen. And uh, basically, she has made the decision to divorce the dad and get out of the picture so that her kids and her husband don't have to watch her deteriorate, which, you know, I've, I've always hated that decision. It, it seems like such a selfish decision, but you know, I, I, you know, I don't want to call somebody with cancer selfish, but at the same time, that's pretty shitty to do to just abandon everyone in your life. Cause you don't want them to see you deteriorate. Anyway, I, I didn't mean, I didn't mean to get into <laughs> any crazy topics here, but, um, yeah. Uh, and anyway, um, at one point, probably like what, like halfway through the film, um, the mom actually passes out on the beach and we suddenly see a growth on the right side of her abdomen that we did not see before. And uh, that's when the dad admits that uh, she's got cancer. You know, she's got a tumor in her in her abdomen. Um, but the problem is, is that literally as we're watching her, we're seeing the the tumor get bigger. Like first it's the size of a golf ball and then the camera pans away and pans back and suddenly it's the size of a baseball. Then the camera pans away and pans back again. Suddenly um, it's the size of a grapefruit and they need to get it out of her or it's going to kill her, obviously. 
the doctor does end up doing, you know, with a nasty old pocket knife, um, uh, basically cuts her open. But unfortunately, because of the whole time thing, as soon as you cut someone, the, the wound heals. Uh, literally, to the point where even a deep incision heals instantly. So what they had to do, um, and I thought this was pretty gross, even though we don't really get to see it, is that um, basically the doctor had to make the incision and then everybody else around him had to stick their fingers in the incision to make sure that it didn't heal itself back up before they get the tumor out. And uh, and yeah, they do end up successfully taking out the tumor, which is bigger than a softball by the time they get it out. It's like the size of a fucking human head. Um, and then a couple of minutes later, mom wakes up and says that she feels great, that she feels better than she has in years. And even the tumor ends up becoming a forgotten plot point. Like no one even ever talked. I mean, we literally just removed a gigantic fucking tumor from you and no one talks about it after it's over. This, this whole movie is so weird with people and how they communicate and the fact that nobody's talking about the crazy shit that's been happening you know, obviously, their most of their focus is on getting off the beach, but obviously, with every attempt, it's just getting worse and worse for the group. But yeah, I did like that scene too. Even though it's not a death scene, it was still it's probably one of the goriest things we get in the movie. Sadly, it's mm-hmm. this movie is not gory. I mean, it's PG thirteen, so you know we already yeah. know uh, you're not getting a whole lot of that. But yeah, I also did find that pretty cool. Yeah, and it happens relatively soon enough that it kind of sets me up for the expectation that, okay, things are going to get good, yeah. and then they don't. <laughs> <laughs> they just kind of stay the same. You know, yeah. they, don't get better, they don't get better or worse. They just kind of stay stagnant. So, all right, so at this point, we're pretty much up to our finale. Uh, only, you know, we've got like our four main characters left, Mom, Dad, Trent, and Maddie. Um, um and over the course of the evening, Mike kind of alluded to this earlier where the parents are aging rapidly and they just kind of make the, you know, the decision that, well, you know, if we're going to die, we might as well at least enjoy the view. So they literally just quietly sit at the beach. All four of them, you know, they, they set up a fire and they're staying warm around the fire. First dad dies. Dad basically just kind of passes out. And then literally about a minute later, mom keels over as well. So unfortunately, both parents die of old age, which is probably a kind of a victory for the mom since she did have that tumor. She actually got to die of old age instead of, you know, having a painful, a painfully slow death with cancer. So, you know, kudos to mom. There you go. You got to live to be what, 80 or 90? (laughs) Kind (laughs) of. So, yeah, after mom and dad are dead. Oh, we're left with the kids, and this is where the movie gets a little ridiculous. Well, yeah, we do get that, just to um, comment mm-hmm. on the scene, yeah, we do get the kind of, uh, I guess the family, some, in I guess in some way you can say they get kind of their redemption, because, you know, as the mom and dad are obviously on death doorstep on the beach, they have that little conversation like, they can't even, you know, obviously they're old, so I guess their memory is somewhat going, and they're basically like, what were we even arguing about? We don't even remember. Who cares? It doesn't even matter. And, like, mm-hmm. that's, uh, other than, like, the beginning, before they get to the beach, that's probably, like, the happiest you can say that 
the quote unquote family unit is together when they're just kind of on the beach, not concerned about anything else, but just being on the beach together. That's where I think like the movie, the movie was trying to have that message to there. And then if the movie ends like shortly after that, okay, you've, I guess kind of accomplished that, but then we get what you're about to get into. And it's like, okay, what is how does this factor into like everything you've been trying to tell us, but go ahead and, get into that i i did want to reiterate that too i did really enjoy that scene i like that scene a lot i liked when the dad looked over to the mom and actually asked were we fighting about something and she says yes and then he goes well i forgot what we were fighting about so you know everything is cool i I, that that was a sweet little moment i thought between you know two people that had basically been arguing the whole movie to actually see them have a little tender moment i thought was all right and and i think it's it was attempting to make a like a poignant statement that basically like you know whether it's spouses friends siblings whatever how how much time wait or i would say how much wasted time do we put into like small and insignificant insignificant things that distract us Mm -hmm. you know from just enjoying life or you know relationships or whatever that you know years down the road you look back on it and you're like why did i allow such small insignificant things to mm-hmm. make that much of an impression and it's really something you carry more than anybody else right i mean in theory it's it's really most of the time it messes up your own psyche by holding the grudge when most thing i mean yes there will be things that come along that are major enough that it's warranted i guess but a lot of stuff when we look back on throughout our life at different ages it's it's very petty or just not to the importance that we need to carry the anger um through our lives so i think that you know that's basically yeah. what they were trying to say yeah definitely the best message of the film i'll go with that so anyway at this point Ah, we go into our terrible finale. Um, So at this point, conveniently, Trent remembers that his little friend back at the resort gave him a note. Early in the film, we saw that Trent made a friend, um, a a kid named Idlib, who actually turned out to be the son of the resort manager, of the guy who's basically in charge of everything. And they had kind of a little, um, like a decoder thing, uh, secret messages, you know, uh, the encoded secret messages that they were kind of writing to each other. At this point in the film, uh, here's 50-year-old Trent. His parents are dead. Everybody's dead. And he remembers out of nowhere, oh, yeah, uh, the kid gave me a note right before we left. And the sister's like, well, go ahead and solve it. We got nothing better to do. So he goes ahead and he solves uh, the encoded message. And what the message says is, my uncle doesn't like the coral. That's it. It just says. And the reason, by the way, the reason that he has this note is because Idlib saw that his family was one of the families selected. So obviously this little kid, Idlib, who's probably only about six or seven himself, is already very aware of what his father is doing and that he's basically sacrificing these people for some reason that we'll get into here in a little bit. See, I, I kind of went back and forth on how much the kid knows. I I thought maybe he just knows that whenever whenever the shuttle comes to pick up a family, they don't come back. I don't right. I don't know if he necessarily knows what's going on. Oh no no, but, he definitely doesn't know exactly uh, okay. what's happening. No no no. Oh hell no. 
Okay, I was, all I'm I saying just, is that I just misunderstood what you said. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm saying that this kid Idlib, he's probably made multiple friends from, uh, you know, tourists that have come to the resort, mm-hmm. right, and right. he never gets to say goodbye to them. That's the that's kind of the thing. So obviously he knows there is something going on. He obviously he may not know specifically, you know, that there's a magic beach that's making people old really fast, but he knows that he makes these friends and then he never gets to see him again. So. So, like I said, he wrote that message to Trent, to six-year-old Trent, and now 50-year-old Trent is reading it. And like I said, it says, my uncle doesn't like the coral. So they decide, let's uh, take a swim out to the coral because maybe that's the key. Um, And they do exactly that. They end up swimming out to the coral. Uh, Basically, there's this really nice, white, shiny coral, uh, like a little mini coral reef maybe mm-hmm. like i don't know a quarter mile off the shore yeah um, a little mini habitat of coral yeah, little little ecosystem of coral um but it's white and shiny so it definitely it looks odd and it's sticking out of the water which coral doesn't usually stick out of the water um so anyway they decide to go ahead and swim to the coral this is trent and maddie and they find a tunnel going into the coral they go ahead and go into the coral um Maddie's shirt ends up getting caught on some of the coral, but he is able to eventually uh, get her free and they are eventually able to get away from the beach. And what we find out at this moment, uh, we get a scene in a lab, a medical lab, which is right there on the beach. So as it turns out, uh, the company that's running things here, that's running the resort, is not a vacation company the way we all thought. They are actually a pharmaceutical company, and what they are doing is they're utilizing um, the whole time variant at the beach to test life-saving drugs. Yes, they're actually, believe it or not, they're kind of doing a good thing because what they're doing is that um, usually with these kind of clinical trials, it takes years and years and years. But because these people are living two years every hour, Uh, they're able to get results that much quicker. And during our film, they actually do find a life-saving drug. They figure out that the the woman uh, who was the husband of the nurse, um, she has epilepsy. It turns out that she has epilepsy early in the film. She has a fairly major seizure. But then she goes the entire rest of the movie without having another seizure until the very end of the film. Uh, I'm not sure if the medication just wore off or what, but as it turns out, the uh, yeah. if you if you guys I think remember, that's what the, it was. yeah, if you guys remember the drinks that we mentioned earlier that they were given upon their arrival, we now know that those drinks didn't necessarily have like roofies or anything in it. What they had was actually experimental drugs, uh, drugs that these um, scientists and lab technicians think might help these you know different conditions. And the only one on this particular experiment, which is experiment 73, by the way, they've done this 72 times before this. That's fucking insane. Um, They basically realized that uh, they cured epilepsy, that they, you know, the drug that they administered to the woman, she didn't have a seizure once for what, uh, like eight to 12 hours or something. And basically, you know, that's when the medication basically wore out, wore off. And then she had a series of major seizures, which ended up killing her. So we do end up losing her as well. But that's our big reveal, folks. Basically, this company has decided that um, 
you know, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Haha, <laughs> Star Trek reference on Fresh Cuts. Does the end justify the means, basically? And, yeah. <laughs> and for me, I, 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 you know, I'm not going to dictate what anybody thinks or should think. I'm going to tell you what my opinion is. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few is fucking bullshit. I have never believed in that mentality ever. Ultimately, yes, I understand that they're killing a few dozen people for the benefits of hundreds of thousands. But the point is, they're still fucking killing these people. They are knowingly murdering these people. I don't give a shit if saving one or if murdering one person will save a billion. You're still a fucking murderer. And to me, it's just cut and dry. So I, I don't know if M. Night was going for like a feel good ending with this pharmaceutical company actually, you know, actually doing good for the world um, at the at the cost of some human lives here and there. But yeah, me personally, they're still fucking murderers. I don't care how many life saving drugs they've invented. They are purposely killing people with terminal illnesses. Granted, people that would probably die anyway because they have terminal illnesses. But the point is, you're speeding up what little life they have left just so well, they can experiment on your drugs. Not and, to mention, you're also murdering the kids who have nothing to because the yeah, kids aren't the kids taking are any meds. Exactly. <laughs> so you're not learning anything from them. Nope. Unless there's also like human behavioral studies that you didn't reveal going on. Exactly. And then also, you know, um, my thoughts on the whole reveal was like, I, I feel if, if that was the route you were going to go, I wish they would have done something a little more interesting with the characters themselves. Like, because obviously when you're dealing with like these families and somewhat normal people in society, I, I think your your tendency is going to be on their side, like, oh, how could you do this, you know, against their will, blah, blah, blah. But what if instead you did the same thing except you threw, like, death row inmates on the beach? <laughs> then it kind of great – well, then it kind of grays it up, like, okay, where where does your personal morality fall in line with the these are death row inmates with a terminal illness – They've obviously murdered. I mean, I'm. I guess you could get on death row for other stuff, but mostly it's you know murderers. Um, so these would be guys that have murdered people in their life. Uh, there's lots of pro capital punishment people in the world, or you know specifically America. So audiences would go into this already like being like, what the fuck are these criminals? What's this all about? So then you kind of gray it up like, okay. Now, are you supporting the mission of the research lab because it's, you know, not very good people you're doing this to? Or do you still hold on to the fact that, well, it's against their will and you shouldn't do that no matter what? I, I And, of course, as Monday morning quarterbacking because that's after the fact that you've seen the movie. But I just I just thought it might be kind of more interesting if you make it a little bit tougher of a line like if if you're looking at it at a at a morality stance or angle, I think that would have kind of made it even more interesting to say, well, what what what's your thoughts as opposed to like, well, you're fucking murdering kids, so obviously we're not going to be in favor of that or their families. Like you you can't do that shit. But um, I understand. I thought I, that might be interesting. Um, not to me. <laughs> um, 
for some people that might be a thing where they may not have as much of a problem with it. For me, you are still killing people unknowingly. Yes, they're murderers and rapists and they're probably going to die in prison anyway. I say, just fucking tell them, just tell them if you've got a death row inmate who has cancer, terminal cancer, why can't you just tell them, Hey, um, you're going to die in a prison cell anyway. How about, would you rather die on a beach? Well, yeah. I, I, that's, I, that's, and, and most of them won't take the deal, obviously. I'm sure most of them will be skeptical or, you know, think that there's going to be some kind of other experimentation going on. I understand that. But the point is, you're still sending people to their death without them knowing it. Because ultimately, are death row inmates that much worse than the people in this movie? I mean, we've got a, you know, we've got a douchebag with a mental illness. We've got, uh, we've got a trophy wife who doesn't give a fuck about her daughter or her mother-in-law. I mean, these aren't exactly the greatest people. So to say, to throw death row inmates out there, in my opinion, doesn't make it any better. It's a black and white issue for me. There is no gray area. You're, you're sending people off to die, period. Doesn't matter if it's an inmate, a terminal a uh, patient, uh, a soldier. I don't give a shit. <laughs> the point is you are sending someone to their death without them knowing it. That's wrong, period. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't necessarily mean it would change your stance personally. I just meant in like in the greater conversation, but just with audiences in total. But you also bring up the good point that like, I would imagine that they would be able to find some volunteers. And even if they just add, even if they just added that dialogue in, like, you know, when, when we, when we're getting the reveal and they're like, Oh, we did this. And then like, even if the doctor just threw in like a line of like, yeah, man, it's not like the old days when we got a lot more volunteers. Now we have to do like this because you know, Mm -hmm. that option is like running dry. Then, okay. You understand that this has been like a long ongoing process where they're starting to get more sinister than they might have initially been, you know? Yep. Absolutely. I think um, Mike's I think, talking I think uh, Mike's talking about a completely different movie entirely. Um I Yeah, <laughs> uh, we never got anything close to that, so why he's bringing this into the conversation is completely irrelevant and unnecessary. I see his point I, though. For whatever it's I, know, but I don't it's, agree with him, but I see the point. <laughs> If that was the case, I would have rated the movie on that term. Uh, based on the movie we got, I'm with you a thousand percent, Venom. I cannot stand this idea of the needs of the few outweigh the many. It's a completely bullshit point. It's got. I I I'm completely with you on this one. I, the idea of sending them out knowingly to their death and the compensation they get is something that they don't even have access to because they're not told. Hey, you you know maybe we save. Your, you know, the lives of thousands of other people that have your condition, but oh well, you're dead. Fuck you. Yeah. That, well, that's, he, that's the basic gist of the And ultimately, the I thing is that some, I could see some of those guys taking the deal because ultimately, it's look, you can die slow in a prison over the next 30 years and it'll be painful and awful, or you can have one awesome night on a beach in paradise. There's going to be a few inmates that take that deal. I can almost guarantee it. Just to get the hell out of the prison for 24 hours, they'll take that deal. Um, But does it make the concept any easier? Like I said, for me personally, no. But I do understand Mike's point. And I understand that there's a lot of people out there that would 
um, not have a problem sending, you know, um, terminal uh, inmates, you know, death row inmates with terminal diseases. And, yeah, you know, and I'm not and, gonna, I'm not going to rate the movie different because oh, no. it's a character. I was just saying it was just a thought of mine out of interest about like how you could do things possibly different to kind of gray up this stuff. But the other question I was going to ask is, so they're giving them obviously the meds that, and then because they're aging so quick, it kind of gives you years worth of research within a day. But, and maybe I missed something because I did see this, like, what is it? I, I think it was either opening day or the next day. Um, did they mention anything other about how they actually monitor them other than shuttle driver up there at the top with binoculars? Because my thinking is you're only going to see so much by looking at them and videotaping. Like, are you accounting for any internal side effects, any other things that come about by giving them the meds? Like, you know, because unless you're unless the people you're bringing to the resort like it's not just oh they're prone to having tumors like you pretty pretty much have to know like every detail because just because it some meds might work for that body type or that blood type and this that wouldn't there still be like questions so it seems very it almost like seems too simple of a concept like oh i'm just gonna look at them through binoculars and i'll know how the medicine worked or didn't work. Like, it seems like there'd be way too many other factors in determining mm -hmm. the effectiveness of it. But that's why I say, like, maybe I missed the dialogue. Or I mean, maybe you could, more. you could probably get away with it by saying that some of the stuff that they've studied over the previous 72 trials, um, you know, maybe that, mm -hmm. you know, you could probably get away with it by, you know, okay well here's the differences between you know trials you know the participants in trial 65 and the participants in trial 70 73 you know there's we've managed to cross out these variables we've managed to like you know we've managed to finally cure epilepsy but other mm -hmm. than that yeah i i think this is just an example of m night throwing an idea at the wall and not thinking it through yeah i mean the best way i can like i said the best way i can think about it is, you know, variables and previous tests have figured have you know shown the same thing. You know, they're doing all these extra trials to thin out the variables mm -hmm. and study them that way. But even that's an idea that's not exactly explored or explained. Yeah. As I was driving home, I actually was thinking that potentially um, there could be like in the drinks that they were given along with the experimental drugs that are laced in there, maybe there's like a microscopic Fitbit or something like some kind of tiny little microchip that they swallow and maybe attaches itself to some part of the body internally, giving them, you know, uh, like up to the minute, like, uh, blood pressure, heart rate, yeah. things like that. I mean, obviously it's a major stretch. I I'm thinking like the, the very near future, but who knows, you know? I mean, to Don's <laughs> point, the fact that they have done tons of trials could just mean that they, I mean, and if they already had, like, their medical file, then they would have access to pretty detailed information, I assume. So I guess to Don's point, that, that would make sense. It's not like this is their first attempt mm -hmm. at this. So in theory, they should have the system down 
pretty well. I just thought it was funny that like the only real monitoring they're doing of them is, hey, I'm standing way up at the top of the mountain and <laughs> watching. I'm like, okay, well, you better be, be sure everything you're was, witnessing. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the beach was mic'd so they could listen to. They could kind of hear some of the people yelling back and forth and potentially could figure out when like schizophrenia was going to start setting in because people would start getting weird with their vocal patterns and everything else. I don't know. Again, it's a reach. Did you, (laughs) yeah, I don't know how much you like read anything afterwards on the movie, but did you guys know that they actually physically built that entire rock formation for the movie? Yeah, I, I um, heard that. Yeah. It was uh, filmed in Costa Rica, and I guess they had to like rebuild parts of it four times because it was hurricane season. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, that, that sucks. Yeah, and I, I did forget to mention earlier, this movie is based on a book. It's actually based on a novel called Sandcastle. It's a novel, isn't it? A comic no, no. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yep, yeah, uh, a French uh, graphic novel called Sandcastle written by Pierre-Oscar Levy. So... If you're interested in the source material, oh, and from what I understand, the the movie barely follows the book. It's it's kind of it's a very loose interpretation, from what I understand. I don't know much about the novel, but everyone, everything I've read about it, basically says the movie is a very loose interpretation. Yeah, I I think because well, I actually recorded with uh, Dan and Lacey talking about this movie a little bit and they brought up the comic too and i want to say pretty much the only thing they have in common is there's a beach that makes you age yeah. fast but Basically. that i mean the the centralized beach is the similarity and its effect on people but other than that they're completely different and you noticed how there were no animals on the beach there were no fish mm-hmm. in the water uh, one of the things right, I read right when they got out to the other side of the coral, also the fish were all around. Yeah, no fish. Um, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the movie. Yes. Um, from what I understand, there actually was a scene in the book with some animals, like a, a couple of animals actually by some, you know, sheer, uh, kismet just somehow found the beach and, and that, uh, there were some animal carcasses found there as well by one or two of the groups that had gone. Obviously the graphic novels way more expanded than this movie. So, you know, M night definitely took some artistic liberties with this one, but yeah. you know, you know, you know, what's fucked up a little mm-hmm. bit is <laughs> when, uh, when the son eventually pulls out his like decoder message mm-hmm. about the coral, well, fucker, if you would have looked at that, like, when the one swimmer dude was still alive, he probably, he probably oh, would have made it to the coral. Because when I'm he took so off swimming, off. he was trying to get around the, the entire, like, island yeah, or yeah, the entire yeah. beach. But if he would have known that an hour ago, he, he would have been like, okay, let me, I can easily swim to the coral, at least. That's why I was so mad about the timing. Literally, everyone was dead. And then he's like, oh, yeah, that kid wrote me a note. It's like, are you fucking kidding? Like, especially as a kid, when the kid gave you the note, when you were six, the curiosity alone would have probably made you look at it. He would have looked at it the minute they got in that shuttle van. You would, exactly, (laughs) yes. Because there was nobody, you know, the only people were talking were again, asking everybody what they did for a living. (laughs) now, Now, I could, now, I could buy that, he looks at it immediately and it says my uncle doesn't like the coral 
And as a six-year-old kid, he has no idea what the hell that's supposed to mean. So he puts it back in his pocket. And then later when they notice Coral or something like, you know, then he could, it could click with him and he could be like, Oh shit. But for him to not even remember or even look at the note until that, it's like, no way, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then the very last scene of the film, uh, we actually do get somewhat of a happy ending. Alex and Maddie do, as I mentioned earlier, they swim through the coral successfully. They get away from the beach they swim back around to the main part of the resort and then they start confronting people. They confront uh, the, the, re- the resort manager. They confront the, uh, the, the, the lady who was handing out the drinks. Um, and then they find, they remember that when they first got there as six year, as a six year old, Trent remembered that there was a, a cop, a police officer. Cause remember, I, I just mentioned for the first time that throughout the movie, when Alex and Maddie were young, they would go around asking people, what's your name and what do you do for a living? Mm-hmm. You know, almost like a game show host. It was kind of funny at first, but then it and actually. Now we know why. Yeah. We know why they did that. Yeah. yeah I hadn't even thought about that. Device until right for later on. Yep. <laughs> I, thought, yeah. I thought that was pretty clever because it, it's, I totally buy into, you know, sometimes kids are quirky or eccentric like that. Oh, sure. Um, where they'll just do that like if if you have i was pretty social as a kid like oh. not the type that was not afraid to talk to strangers that you know if you know in that type of setting where it felt safe so yeah i thought that was pretty cool like some people complain about it but i'm like no nah, i thought that was fine no that was one of the most believable things in the movie <laughs> kids being weird yeah that that like that doesn't happen ask any parent <laughs> Oh, God. So anyway, yeah, like I said, happy ending. Our kids get out. They get a notebook full of information that they found on the beach that apparently one of the previous victims, uh, almost like a journal that they had kept with everything that was going on, a list of names, a list of all the people that were, you know, on the beach with them. And um, when they gave that book to the cop, the cop called back to his precinct and looked up all the names. And it turned out all the names were missing persons that basically these were all people who never came back from the resort. The cop was able to, you know, uh, move forward with whatever it is he was doing. And basically, as the movie ends, there's police at the resort. They're taking people in, blah, blah, blah. And we see Alex and Maddie fly away on a helicopter. And that is old 2021. And I feel old talking about it. <laughs> Damn, I should have done that old joke now. <laughs> yeah, holy shit. Oh, man. Like, like I said, we've spent the good part of the last hour and a half kind of bitching and moaning about the, you know, the 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 shortcomings of this film. But ultimately, you know, I'm not going to call it a bad film. I, I think I think most people, as Mike mentioned earlier, if you like Shyamalan, if you like thrillers, you're going to enjoy this movie. I think it's not going to be like a favorite, I don't think. But at least, you know, you're, I think you'll get more out of it than any of us did, us hardcore horror lovers here. So and we were even on the fence with this film on whether we were even going to do it. I think Mike might have mentioned on one of his other shows that this was a potential to be done on this show, but that we had all the three of us kind of collectively decided if it wasn't horror enough, we would do something else. And yeah, we ended up doing it anyway. Um yeah. I mean, it's horror to some people, I'm sure. I mean, it's a, it's yeah. a horrible situation, ultimately, if you're stuck in it. 
I just wish, you know, to make it horror, I, I needed something a little more visceral. I would have liked to, like, they never showed us the girl's body that de decomposed. Uh, you know, they kind of show like an out of focus, weird, low angle shot where you just get to see a couple of ribs and that's it. So it's like, yeah, the, the movie, especially in a movie with rapid aging, special effects and just the visceral effect of it all should have been a bigger aspect of it. And it absolutely was. Yeah. yeah wrinkles. They could have shown us a better like aftermath shot of the girl that fell off the rock. Anybody's aftermath shot. I mean, we 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 got a shot of uh, what do you call oh, it yeah. inside sedan, but yeah. he just got stabbed. So who cares? Or even the girl that fell off the rock. They could have shown her like hitting some jagged edges on the yeah, way yeah. down or something. We don't see shit. Well, that's the uh, that's the nature of a PG thirteen movie. You know, mm. it's not Midsommar. We're not going to see heads blowing right. up. Right. No, no one's walking up to her with a mallet to finish the job. <laughs> Exactly. That would have been better if she didn't die. Like, like I understand that was a pretty damn long fall. And this girl at this point has the body of like a 15 year old. Uh, I would have liked to have seen her like survive, like maybe break her back or something, but still survive. And, and, well, that, and, and well, see, that, oh, oh, man, I'm getting ideas in my head. And then the lower half of her body that doesn't work deteriorates faster than the top half of her body. Oh, my God. I should make movies. Well, I well, but that is like an interesting question because I mean, I'm assuming that they're telling us that the fall was high enough where it was like an instant yeah. death. But if it wasn't, let's just say she falls and breaks both her legs and her hip, then she would have got all fucked up too as it heals because it's not a healing property. And then the, you know, from the waist down, sure. she's just all messed up, and oh, that would have yeah. been interesting. Like if she's still there for like another half hour. And the movie still could have been PG-13. I'm not talking about blood. Just give us a couple of broken limbs or a broken back or something and and then watch her lower half deteriorate deteriorate in a, you know, at a much different pace than her top half. That would be awesome. See? Uh, hey, M. Night, I'm in L.A. Call me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's just a... To me, the biggest... To me, the biggest... Um, I guess the most egregious aspect of the plot is I don't see the justification for having the kids as part. Of, I mean, nobody should be a part of this. If you take the stance that, right. you know, it, a it's against their will and two the, the needs of the many don't outweigh the needs of the few. So right off that, no one is uh -huh. justified being there. But furthermore, the only, the only thing I could think of is because so much, disease and stuff is genetic that they think okay well the kids are fine now but after like they're half a day when they become 40 50 year olds on the beach then those conditions will show up in them too but still i mean that's I, even a stretch too because it doesn't always uh, happen uh, that yeah. way but absolutely i actually think it's a little bit more nefarious i think it's that they don't want uh family members coming back and trying to find their family if if they don't bring their kids, that's going to leave two kids with no parents back home. And they're obviously going to want an investigation. They're going to want the cops to go there. They're going to want diving teams to search for their bodies. You know, they're, they're not going to be complacent about it, especially as they grow up, as they grow into adulthood. They're going to be even more curious about why their parents never came back from this vacation. So I think that could be 
I mean, obviously everyone has family, extended family. You know, it's not just parents and kids. You know, they could have lived with like a grandma who would serve the exact same purpose as leaving a kid back home, just having someone who's curious about the disappearance. But I don't know. That's probably the only thing that I could think of, that it's just less witnesses, less people to come back later and bother them about missing family members. I don't know. Maybe. All right. We've talked about this movie longer than the uh, duration of the movie. Yeah, we're all much older now after having discussed it. So, (sighs) all right. So I got to go watch a horror movie. (laughs) (laughs) I need a palate cleanser. (laughs) Isn't that funny? I need something with blood and uh, dismembered body parts as a palate cleanser from this thriller. (laughs) All right. Well, then, uh, why don't you let everyone know where else they can hear you in the meantime? Well, um, you know, I'm still, unfortunately, uh, a bunch of my shows are still on hiatus for one reason or another. Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, uh, In the Mic of Madness, Theme Warriors is on a minor hiatus. We're just waiting, you know, to find a good date to record. We already have our theme and movies picked out. Um, It's just a matter of getting the four of us together. And, uh, And It's Not Horror Okay has also been kind of... Uh, on hold for a little bit. I think the plan is actually to record an episode tomorrow. Go figure. Um, if it happens, you know, I'll, I'll let everyone know right here uh, on next week's show. Um, but hopefully that'll be back sooner than later. Uh, about the only things that we have going, or at least that I have going on right now, is of course Fresh Cuts and then the main show, Normal Room in Hell, where uh, Don actually did a guest spot with us on the main show for the first time, where we looked at. Uh, Derek's picks, which were a pair of uh, mid-2000 Bruno Matai zombie films, um, Zombies of the Beginning and The Island of the Living Dead. That episode, that is episode 34 of the main show. It is available as we speak on the Dark Discussions podcast network. And that's about all I've got, Mike. It's been a slow month since the uh, summer series ended. (laughs) All right. Don, what do you got? All right. So other than the uh, aforementioned guest spots, uh, the only other thing that I have is actually something Venom forgot was um, our guest appearance on Cinema Attack, where we discussed. Yeah, we discussed a pair of Bruno Mattai cannibal films. Um, Yeah. So uh, it was actually supposed to have been uh, recorded the night before we recorded the uh, episode of the main show that I guessed it on. So I was supposed to have guessed it with uh, Derek and all of his guys on that one, but it fell through, which allowed us to uh, welcome Venom on board. So we got to uh, record that one over the weekend. So um, yeah, other than that, uh, Graveyard shit is uh, waiting around to record our next episode. We've gotten it planned out. Um, I don't know if we have a uh, specific date because we're trying to get everything coordinated and all of that. Um, I think it's because we're trying to, Will, I think, wants to bring a guest on board, and we're trying to get get all of the dates for that one lined up. But um, I should have further information next week. Other than, other than that, uh, that's all I got for me. Unmute yourself. All right. Uh, <laughs> as far as I go, it's um, 
appearance on Cut to the Chase, where I also talked um, M. Night's old. So I was, you know, going into this one, I was like, okay, let me let Venom and Dawn try to lead it, and I'll bounce off, like, what they have to say, because I didn't want to, like, literally just repeat everything I said on there. Obviously, some stuff I can't, I couldn't help but bring up again, but for the most part, I think it was, like, two pretty good different conversations I had on um, each show. So I would say, you know, if you're interested in some other thoughts I had, plus what Dan and Lacey had to say, check out that episode of Cut to the Chase. It's out now. Uh, like Venom said, uh, the main show, Normal Room in Hell, if all goes to plan, we'll actually be recording a new one this week or this weekend. So um, hopefully, you know, nothing kicks off its schedule and if not, it should be out probably sometime early next week. And then what else do I got? I think that is actually it uh, since we last recorded. As far as the next Fresh Cuts goes, this is kind of another one where I'm not sure if we should take a wait-and-see approach because the move, the big movie coming out this week, I'm seeing no matter what, which is A24's The Green Knight. Um, I just don't know... Is it more considered like a fantasy drama adventure or is it horror? Like, I don't know how there's exactly what their spin on the story is going to be. So if it, I mean, I if it follows say, the real story, I would imagine it's going to be pretty uh, horror filled. I don't yeah. know if you ever read the green Knight. I read it. I, I know roughly, I've oh. never read it, but I, I roughly know the story. So I would put it like this. The Green Knight is the plan. Unless there's a reason to not do it, that's pretty much what we're doing next. Uh, I mean, yeah. would you agree with that? <laughs> Absolutely. Are we sure the Green Knight's this week? I thought it was July like, 30th, isn't it? Oh, it is July 30th. Okay. Yeah, we're already there. <laughs> it's hard to believe. July seemed to go by crazy fast. But... Well, it was the Fear Street thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Probably. We lost the uh, we lost most of the month to one movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. All right. So yeah, most likely listeners plan for the Green Knight next week. So go ahead and check it out because you know by the time we record, the new movies have usually been out for you know three to five days, just depending on what night we end up recording. So. That's, I guess, your homework if you want some Fresh Cuts homework. Sometimes it's hard <laughs> to give you homework because we don't always know 100% what we're doing, but in the in the theatrical cases, it's usually a safe bet. So uh, with that said, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Catch you in a week's time. Say goodbye, listeners. Get off my lawn. Later. Peace.